With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Abram Lincoln. History, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to artifacts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We are two guys, Cam and I, who are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children in Canada, and this podcast is dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to change hearts and save lives from abortion. Like I said, thank you so much for tuning in to a brand new episode in a brand new year. My name is Peter. I'm the host of the show. And with me once again is Cameron Cote, my dear and wonderful co-host with right now an amazing beard. Hello, sir. Oh, thank you, Peter. You are too kind. It is good to be back in 2021. My goodness, the years fly by. Um, I'm sure that I, I'm not the only one to have in the back of my mind good riddance to 2020. Um, and yet, as we shared in the last episode in our year in review, um, 2020 was a pretty spectacular year for CCBR and the pro-life guys. Um, and yet we are keen to dive into this new year and we're glad that you're along for the ride. Thank you for joining in. Yeah. Happy new year, everyone. We hope that, uh, this is a great year for you all. We don't know you all personally, uh, but we do hope that you are blessed by God and, and blessed in your families. And uh, this is a this would be a good year for you as we enter into 2021. All right, 2021. Uh, this this is a podcast on a New Year's resolution pro lifestyle. Many of us have New Year's resolutions. We we create them. I know for myself, it's a lot easier to create them and drop them about two or three weeks in. Um, I've had some phenomenal resolutions in the past that uh, that really did come to no fruition, and I suspect that many others are like that as well. Um, but yeah, this is what we're going to talk about. Cam, could you could you kind of kind of frame the discussion that we're going to be having today about a pro-lifestyle New Year's resolution? Yeah, I, I think this is a good time to talk about pro-life engagement and how we set our goals for the year and whatnot, because that's something that, that many people in our culture, possibly yourself included, do year over year. Like, like Peter, you mentioned, um, we, we set all kinds of goals in, in our life, whether it's, um, you know, I want to go to the gym twice a week, whether it's I want to train for the Olympics next year or, or something like that. Um, I mean, hopefully we do get the Olympics. I actually 
full disclosure, I'm not a huge fan of the Olympics, actually. Um, that is a whole different kettle of fish, though. Um, people um, deciding, you know what, I, I really want to eat better this year. I want to um, be more in touch with my friends and family members. I'm going to try to give somebody a call once a week or write letters or emails or, or even text messages or whatever. Um, there's people who want to travel more. I mean, 2021, it's not super promising from the from the, the start of the year sort of thing. But we have all of these really really, I, I don't quite want to say arbitrary, but kind of arbitrary um, goals we set for our lives that, that we want to live better. We want to um, experience new things and all that kind of stuff. And yet rarely do we build into our New Year's resolutions, our commitment to better, more actively, more fervently, more passionately, whatever, however you want to define it, better fight abortion, right? That abortion isn't going away and while we have seen an insurgence of incredible pro-life ambassadors over the recent years, whether they're doing our internships or volunteering at CCBR or whatever it may be, we absolutely need more people to build pro-life outreach and engagement into their New Year's resolutions because if they don't, then it often gets forgotten, right? This often becomes something that we... We pick up for a little bit and we drop, just like any of our other New Year's resolutions. And yet we need to be much more diligent, I think, um, Peter Peter, and, and myself included, in how we can really press on to do the most effective thing possible. And you might wonder, why? Like, like why do we need to build this into our our priorities sort of thing that, that abortion has been around for a long time. You hear us talk about it all the time. I'm, I'm sure that in some ways we're, we're preaching to the choir, but I, uh, Peter and I really want to give a couple of reasons why abortion should be prioritized for you this year that though we don't want to like give it some kind of mantle of the year of pro-life um, activism or something like that, because we think every year should be a, a year of pro-life outreach. Um, I really, I'm really looking forward to this episode because I, I hope that we can convey to you in a kind of renewed sense. Obviously, by tuning in already, you're, you're probably pro-life. You probably care about it. You're probably even doing something about it. But we want to really um, rekindle maybe a, a fire that has been dampened, maybe um, reactivate or re-inspire you to get even more involved and to ask the question, what can I do? I think too often Christians and, and anybody asks the, themselves the question, what is sufficient? What do I need to do to satisfy expectations? And yet, um, the question I think we should be asking is how much can I do? How much can I responsibly, appropriately, and effectively accomplish this year with God's blessing? And and Peter, I, I want to um, throw it back to you to, to really set the stage for why we need to make this a priority in Canada, why we need to rekindle that passion that drives us towards um, more fervent, more effective pro-life action. Yeah, context is extremely important for why pro-life work is vital. While you were saying that, I was thinking about the passage, uh, I think Paul wrote it to Timothy, um, and he mentioned bodily exercise is of some value, but godliness is a value in every way. Often bodily exercise is the, the New Year's resolution we aim for. It seems like the most prominent one. But godliness is a value in every way. And godliness, an important component of godliness, is standing up for the vulnerable, for the marginalized, for those who cannot speak for themselves, for those who do not have a voice for themselves. And case in point, uh, and Cam, I know you have some stats on late-term abortion, but I was listening to another podcast the other day 
um, from from someone that I, I listened to. And she was talking about a story of a Canadian woman. She was 35 weeks pregnant. She had a healthy baby. And for, for one reason or another, she decided to have an abortion. And the Canadian healthcare system, the Canadian healthcare system funded by, I mean, this is this is our tax dollars, paid an abortionist $17,000 in the United States for this woman to go down and have an abortion for her 35-week-old baby. Um, This is abortionist Dr. Warren Hearn in Boulder, Colorado. He he, he does abortions, late-term abortions, eight-month abortions. Um, There's another article that I was looking at uh, as I was doing a little bit of research on him about an abortion he did for uh, someone who was 30 five weeks pregnant. Uh, let me see if that's correct here. Um, yeah, 35 weeks pregnant, uh, as well. And, uh, this, this mother learned that her baby had problems with, uh, his or her brain. And because of that, she decided to have an abortion to, to end this child's life. Like we're not just talking about a nice, cute little medical procedure or anything like that. We are talking about an actual procedure that ends the life of young human beings. Cam, what are some of the stats that you found when it comes to late-term abortions that happen? Yeah, so often often when we're on the street, when when we have our choice chain displays, when we're talking about abortion, people will kind of accuse us of why would you bother showing a picture of a late-term abortion or, or why would you bother talking about late-term abortions? They never happen. And while I, I think it's important for us to recognize that there's certainly not the majority of abortions performed, just a, a couple stats to throw your way. And so, and I'm getting these off of the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada website. And so um, there's no pro-life bias in any of these numbers. Um, but for example, the last year that we have somewhat complete statistics for in Canada, 2018, um, there were reported 85,195 abortions performed that year, um, split across the provinces, um, 85,195. And of those abortions, only 19,444 reported any kind of gestational age associated with them. And so quick math of of 20,000 approximately out of 85,000 approximately, we're at what, like, I don't know, 25% or something like that of of these abortions actually had an age associated with them. And yet of those, there were 659 abortions performed after 21 weeks gestation out of the 19,444. And so if we take those numbers as being um, any kind of proportionate across the total number, like if, if we project up what if all 85,195 abortions had been um, reported with a gestational age, we would anticipate over 2,000 babies who are literally old enough to survive outside of the womb were killed and and killed for for reasons that might spark some degree of surface-level compassion. Peter, you mentioned that um, really severe um, prenatal diagnosis of severe uh, mental disabilities or something like that. And, and the temptation for people in our culture is to be like, oh my goodness, I, I can't even imagine what that mother would have gone through, maybe mother and father, to know that their child would have suffered a whole awful lot. And yet... We still have to remember, trot out the toddler. Like, like what would happen if that child was 45 weeks old, that had been born five weeks ago, and they found out, oh, wow, there's actually a really severe mental um, disability that we hadn't noticed beforehand. Oh, let's drive to Boulder, Colorado and kill this, <laughs> this uh, one month after birth baby um, because they're experiencing a difficult um, genetic condition that's going to hamper their their cognitive abilities or something like that. Like it's absolutely barbaric 
to think that there are thousands of babies every year in Canada who are killed. Um, and yes, some of these children have very severe disabilities. Does that mean that we get to kill innocent humans because they're not capable of what you and I are? Absolutely not. That is absolutely bonkers. And this is absolutely happening in Canada. We should be equally horrified about all of the abortions happening in Canada, not just the fact that there are literally baby girls who are being being killed because they're baby girls, not just because we have babies that can survive outside of the womb who are being killed in the order of thousands, but because these are little human beings who share their humanity equally to you and I who are denied the most fundamental human right. And so often we say the human right to life. I want to tweak that a little bit and look at it from um, the other perspective. Instead of saying the human right to life, I want to say the human right to not be killed as an innocent human being. This is what we're talking about. This isn't froofy, like life, liberty, security person, something that, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. This is the right to not be killed as an innocent human being. And I think that it deserves our passion and arguably our, our righteous zeal, as it were, <laughs> In response to this, because this is happening, it's happening on our watch, and it demands a response. But that, that's not the only end that it's happening, right? We, we talk about the end of pregnancy. What's happening at the beginning of pregnancy that people need to be aware of, Peter? Yeah, I, I think it's good to point out that, well, you know, there, there certainly is a horror to killing children when they're viable outside the womb. Abortion is not wrong because abortion ends the life of a child that is viable outside the womb. Um, we're talking about children prior to that point who are viable in the precise location that they are supposed to be in, which is their mother's womb. They're, they're viable for the environment that they were created for at that stage of life. And I, I just want to highlight, um, you know, we, we talked about abortions before. We, we hope to have episodes on abortion procedures, um, but also the RU486 pill, the RU486 pill, which is an abortion pill. Uh, it brings about abortion during pregnancy up to... Uh, about seven weeks in, and it's one of these pills that you can take at home. And because of the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a huge increase in usage of these pills because uh, I mean, you don't have to go to an abortion clinic, you don't have to interact with other people, uh, you don't have to you know, go to different locations and, and risk being exposed to any sort of disease that might be out there, but you can take this pill at home. And one of the effects that's having uh, that this pill is having this year that, that we've that we've seen and, and looked at and we hope to discuss in the future uh, way more uh, in depth is that many, many women and and the men in their lives as well, if they're in their lives, are coming face to face with their own children. They're coming face to face with the children that they just chose to kill through this RU486 pill. Take this pill, uh, deprive their child of life, their child um, exits the, the the birth canal and these mothers are they're holding their own children that they just killed and this is this is abortion at home I mean this is this is what's happening and one of the things that we see time and time and time again it's especially prevalent where we are in Canada but also around the world it's one of the goals of the pro-abortion movement is that the victims are hidden uh, and they're hidden behind this this wall or this facade that we know of, and I quote, choice or reproductive rights or any other sort of really catchy and, and fancy slogan um, that hides the victims and puts them in a back quarter. And, and these are inconvenient little creatures that we don't want to see as we live out our lifestyle. And I think about a quote by Dr. Monica Miller. Miller I've quoted her in the past as well. 
And she creates that. She, she mentions that um, hiding the victims creates, and I quote, a sleeping, apathetic populace who can then just live life as if nothing was wrong. After all, even with over 60 million dead preborn children in the United States alone, not even counting the Canadian victims, everything looks so normal. End quote. Everything looks so normal. Everything looks normal. We can just continue to live on as if absolutely nothing is happening. And the truth be told, everything is, is created. Everything is made to look as normal as possible. These abortionists, the ones who are killing children, they're licensed doctors. They have the approval and the authority to practice their profession by all of the appropriate health boards, most certainly in Canada, perhaps not uh, in different parts of the world, but but specifically where we are. Um, this procedure often takes place in, in perfectly sanitized hospital rooms. Uh, I know that other, other countries, the abortions don't happen in hospitals, but in other clinics, but they are a part of our healthcare system here. You go to the hospital. Um, we have some remote clinics across the country, but many of them happen in hospitals. And these little babies are put out of sight and they're put out of mind. And the, the, real, the, the reality of the situation is that while they're out of sight, while they're out of mind, they are on the receiving end of knives and suctioning tools, and pliers that are pulling them out. Their arms are pulled off of their torsos, their legs are broken and pulled out, their skulls are crushed, and the child is suctioned piece by bloody piece out of his or her mother's womb. These, child are, these children are nameless. They receive no birth certificate. They re receive no death certificate. No recognition of their existence or of their life is ever given to them. Um, certainly not by, by the, the government or, or the officials or anyone else, but they are tossed into medical waste bans as worthless compost. And this is enough to cause you to despair. This is enough to, to really make you lose sleep at night. And I know for many of us, Cam, at the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, it has cost us a lot to lose sleep, uh, to bring tears to our eyes. But help us out for a second. Why, why should we not despair? Um, what, 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 what reasons are there for us not to despair this great and massive injustice that is, is being perpetrated on the most helpless victims in our society? It, it's a good question. And sometimes I gotta be honest, sometimes I grapple with it, right? When, when we yeah. come face to face day after day, week after week with people who are apathetic about the abortion issue, I'm, I'm just not passionate about it. You know what? I'm, I'm Christian, but I'm just not passionate about the abortion issue or even more so when we're out, um, doing activism, we find people who are actively advocating for an increased number of abortions. It, it can be mind boggling and incredibly discouraging. And, and it seems like our world, um, at, at least um, especially Western civilization, is hurtling at an um, incredible rate towards um, a very, very dark future. Um, honestly, what, what I come back to time and again, and, and it's actually something I've got going up on, on the door of my office, I, I just come back to John 1633, right, where um, we, we hear... Christ Jesus basically say, you know what, I, I have told these, you these things. I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now. I apologize. Please do pull out your Bible if you've got one and, and find the, the exact quote. But um, I've told you these things so that um, you may have peace. Like he, he recognizes in the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. Realizing that God is in control. Right, it, it might seem like a feeble response. It might seem like a cup of water against a raging fire to go out day after day and defend life. And 
And there, there's temptations to go with it, right? There's temptations to kind of just mail it in and say, you know what, as long as I um, show up to the office, that's good enough. Um, I don't need to push myself. I don't need to try to have that extra conversation and deliver that extra postcard. Um, but I, I think that the, the source that um, kind of holds me from despair is, is simply that fact that, that God is in control. He has overcome the world. And that, yes, I will face troubles and tribulations, but um, at the end of the day, the, the war is won, though the battles rage on, as it were. Yeah, and there's a tension there. Um, there's a, a real deep tension between, yes, we know God's in control. Yes, we know that justice ultimately is going to be done. And yet we're living in this time when we see injustices happening all around us. We're working to fight them. We're working to end them. We're having these conversations. We're exposing the truth about abortion. And, uh, and so there's this, this hope of a, of a greater future, as it were, um, where justice will be done and a recognition that we are not yet at that point and injustice is happening uh, all over the world. And another thing, uh, another great reason that we shouldn't despair is that we've seen time and again, Cam, I mean, we talk about the apologetics that we use here on this podcast. We, we talk about the strategies that we use and we share some of the stories that we have um from the conversations, from the time that we have spent on the streets talking to people about abortion. And it is clear, and I, I know you have a hundred stories, sir, and and uh, I, I have a few as well, um, but it is clear that the work that we are doing is being blessed. The labors of our hands um, fighting abortion are most certainly being blessed. Yeah, and and I, I always think back, this has happened, like you said, time and time and time again, but I always think back to one of the first times I ever witnessed it happening. I was on the new abortion caravan way back when in 2012, I was doing Choice Chain in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and this guy came up to me and he said, you know what, dude, I'm pro-life, but like, just give up. Just throw in the towel. Um, there's no point doing this because you won't make any change. I did this for decades and nothing ever happened. Um, and, I, and I said, you know, with all due respect, we've been out here for like 45 minutes already. And I've already seen a couple of people change their mind. And he was like, you know what? No, I, I don't believe you. Right. Like, I'm sure that you tell everybody that the people's minds are being changed and all that kind of thing. So I was like, you know what? If do you have 15 minutes? Like, do you want to just watch? See what happens? And, and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll see, like, prove it to me that, that people are changing their mind. And I took a couple of steps back and this young couple approached me maybe a moment or two later. And I asked them, what do you think about abortion? They were completely supportive of abortion. Uh, we talked for maybe five, eight minutes sort of thing, talked through um, the reality of abortion, found some common ground, all that kind of stuff. And after like eight minutes, they said, you know what, you're totally right. Abortion is completely wrong. And this guy that I had talked to before came barreling back into the conversation. He'd listened to everything. He was sitting over on the bench, uh, maybe maybe a, a couple yards away. He was listening to it. He came over and literally gave the, this couple a huge bear hug, like both of them. It was super weird. They had no idea what was going on. And he was like, you know what? I came by here 15 minutes ago, and I just told this guy that he would never change anybody's mind. And you just told him that your minds were changed, and you have given me hope. For the pro-life movement again. I mean, praise God that, that that happened, that he was able to witness that conversation, that he was able to witness those people with the intellectual honesty and the courage to, to reject their abortion worldview and to become pro-life. But it was incredibly, incredibly cool to, to be able to re-inspire somebody um, to, to get back in the trenches, as it were, to get back in the vineyard and, and start planting seeds again. 
because he realized that this was something that could actually um, move forward, that, that there was actually change that was happening. And that's just on a very micro level, right? That we're seeing this on a, on a very, very macro level, as it were, a, a huge number statistically of engagement. And and we shared last um, last week, I guess, in our year in review, just how big the reach was in 2020, this crazy year with pandemic restrictions and all, all sorts of things. Um, 2021, we don't really know what to anticipate with regards to restrictions. Obviously, many people are still living with restrictions. And yet, there are a tremendous number of people who are having conversations and exposing the reality of abortion. Within um, the CCBR staff, the volunteer team, people who don't, uh, I mean, obviously, we talk a lot about CCBR because, Peter, you and I work for CCBR. It's very near and dear to our hearts. We're seeing so much of this beautiful activism happening. Um, but obviously, we're not the only pro-life organization that's doing outreach, right? There's a ton of people across the country and around the world who are engaging their friends, their family members, their coworkers, people in their community, people that they've never talked to before and probably will never talk to again with the reality of abortion, having compelling conversations and actually, by God's grace, seeing people completely change their minds. I um, I know this is a bit of a ramble and Peter, I'll throw it back to you in just a moment here, but I I talk, I, I give a lot of presentations at uh, Right to Life dinners, and I, I do a lot of mentorship and work with different um, kind of long-term pro-life uh, community groups and associations that have been around for decades. And often they ask, you know, how do you get so many young people involved with CCBR? And, and they think that we've simply figured out the algorithm or the trick, or we figured out how to leverage social media. And Peter, you're way better at social media than I am, but I... I'm going to go out on a limb here. I mean no offense to anybody who's working for CCBR, but I think that we have um, a, a mediocre at best um, social media presence. Michael is an absolute champ in Vancouver. Kena has been doing a yeoman service um, on social media for a long, long time. They're doing a fantastic job, but it's just not a our primary um, expertise area and, and whatnot. And, and so you see some of these other groups that have a way better social media presence than we do. And yet we have so many young people getting involved. And why is that? We, we decry instant gratification um, in a lot of different areas. This, this idea that we want absolute instant gratification for all of our wants, needs, and desires, whatever. Um, I think that there's an appropriate um, place for that in the pro-life movement. And I think that's why so many young people do get involved. It's because they are blessed with witnessing change right before their eyes. This isn't necessarily the long game. Often our conversations are the long game. I'm not saying that everybody changes their mind in five minutes, but enough of them do to inspire people to come back time and again. And it gives them even more reason to believe that the people that don't walk away completely pro-life, the pebble has been put in their shoe. And so I think, I think that's a really good reason not to despair because we have a growing movement that is cross, um, denominational, cross demographics, cross ages and genders, and the whole shebang, the, the pro-life movement is one of the unique cross-sections of society that embraces and empowers everybody, regardless of their background, regardless of um, their political alignment or, or religious convictions. If you're against abortion, if you don't think we can kill human beings, you've got a spot in the pro-life movement, and those people are answering the call. 
I th- I think of um as I'm as I'm listening to this and thinking about some of my stories, I think about a quote by Bono, who was who's a a, a singer in the band the U two band, um and it's something along the lines of I just hope that when the day is done, I've been able to tear a little corner off of the darkness, um or or something like that. And and one of the things that we see here here is that, um we are we are seeing um work being done as as darkness is being torn away um as people are changing their minds and as little lives are being saved and so the question is as we think about our new year's resolution is is this the hill we're going to die on is this the hill um that uh that that, you know this is the one where we're going to take a stand and when i think about that question and it's a question i have to ponder regularly as well I, i think about a quote by douglas wilson in his blog uh, from 2015, I've never forgotten it, um, although I don't know it verbatim, so I had to look it up. But this is the quote. So he, this is what he says. He says, whenever we get to that elusive and ever-receding hill to die on, we will discover upon our arrival there that it only looked like a hill to die on from a distance. Up close, when the possible dying is also up close, it kind of looks like every other hill. All of a sudden, it looks like a hill to stay alive on covered over with topsoil that looks suspiciously like common ground. And then he says, so it turns out that surrendering hills is actually not the best way to train for defending the most important ones. Retreat is habit forming. And uh, I mean, I think of some of the, the you know, the, the positions that I hold, Cam, the, the philosophies and the theology that I hold, and it's, it's easy. It's easier not to die on hills. It's easier to give in and say, you know what, this perhaps isn't per, you know, possibly the most important thing that I could stand up for and, and really lose some friends over and, and some uh, credibility with some of those people in my social circles. Um, so maybe I'm going to hold to this hill, which no one's touching at this point. Um, but that's, that's training us. That's training us to retreat. That's training us to uh, really to, to be incredible in the art of surrender. Um, and it's not helpful. And, and along those lines, Jordan Peterson, I'm sure many of our listeners know him. Uh, he, be- he was a, a professor at the University of Toronto, a psychology professor, and he became famous um, with the whole transgender pronouns debate that happened here in Canada. Um, and he, he had a, a strong stance on refusing to um, follow laws, legislated laws that mandated that you had to follow uh, and you had to to adhere to transgender pronouns that people uh, told to you. So there was a, a lot of debate and controversy on that. And, and because of that, he did a lot of presentations and speeches and he was at the University of Western Ontario. And after his lecture, a student asked him a question. And this was the question. You've articulated at great length the dangers of postmodernism and political correctness. But why this issue? Why choose transgender pronouns as the proverbial hill to die on? And Peterson's response, gotta say, it was striking. This is what he said. He said, why not? When you're fighting a war, there's very rarely a compelling reason to die for the next yard of soil. But that's how wars are won. And that is how the line is held. Yard by yard. You have to pick something and this is what I choose. And this is a call for us as well. We have to pick something. We have to choose something. And thinking about um, his line of you have to fight yard by yard. You have to, you know, if you want to win the war, there's not going to be a silver bullet. We love a silver bullet, Cam. I love a silver bullet. I wish there was one for every issue that I was passionate about. 
but there is no silver bullet. This is grassroots work. This is fighting yard by yard. And this is how the secular cultural warriors have engaged in their battle um, for the ground that, that we were standing on. This was their policy, that they would fight tooth and nail over every tiny point of contention that they had with us. Pro-lifers, Christians, they were going to fight for absolutely everything. And far too often, guys, far too often, and and I, I don't say this as uh, as someone who has never fell prey to this, who has never done this himself. I, I too, uh, have, have done this, but far too often we as Christians, uh, we as pro-lifers have counted the cost and we have decided that fighting, it's just going to cost too much money. It's going to take too much of my time. It's just going to be too unpleasant. And so we lose and we don't lose because we, we fought and they were more strategic and we lost. It won't lose because we, we, you know, we, we took to the battle. We stood up for our convictions and we happened not to win the culture as it were. Uh, but we lose by forfeit. We lose by surrendering. And if we're going to surrender um, once, if we're going to surrender twice, if we're going to say, oh, this hill I was going to die on before, but now that, um, yeah, no, there's a there's a real possibility that I could die this time, guys. Uh, I think I'm going to die on the next hill that's a little further down, maybe a mile up the road. And so the question is, we have to ask, what is our resolution? W- what are we going to do? Are we going to say, okay, guys, this right here, this is where I fight. Decapitating humans, beheading them, crushing their skulls, uh, tearing apart limbs from torsos, uh, and, 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 and destroying young human lives, giving them absolutely no dignity, throwing them away like trash. This is where I choose to fight. Or are we going to say, you know what? This, this really isn't worth the loss of the comfort that I currently enjoy. And as I, as I say this, I, I, I mean, there's comfort I enjoy. There, there are things that I don't want to give up as well. And so I'm, it's like a, I'm preaching to myself here. Um, but this is the question. When we're thinking about this new year, when we're thinking about New Year's resolutions, when we're thinking about what we are going to do to tear away at the darkness and to, to let justice reign, as it were, um, this is the question. Are, are we going to fight? Are we going to we gonna love our comfort to it to such a degree that the babies are going to suffer for that? Yeah, and and I think hopefully we've we've made the compelling case that this isn't an arbitrary hill to die on. The message that we're not encouraging to take away with is not, you know, I just need to stand for anything, and and you know what, I'm going to stand for, um, the the font that we use in our our office emails or something like that. Like like we think that there are that that not all battles are equal, obviously. We were recognizing that, but we acknowledge the absolute importance and urgency and dire need of the abortion issue and that we absolutely need to stand on this hill and we absolutely need to fight um, for for preborn children. This is a hill worth dying on because um, while the slippery slope argument may not be a a completely sound and rock-solid philosophical framework, we have to understand that what happens when we sacrifice the weakest and most vulnerable members of our society, people who literally have no ability to defend themselves in any meaningful way whatsoever, um, what goes next, right? That, That this is so vital towards the soul of our society, I'm going to say, like, I know that gets thrown around a lot, but like, this is something, this is, 
I believe, and I, I think that we can make a very sound argument for this being the issue of our times, that once we say you don't have any right to not be intentionally killed, in spite of the fact that you are completely innocent of any crime, in spite of the fact that you are absolutely where you are natural to be, um, if we don't fight on this hill, then I I can't see any other hill which um, is consistent with conceding this hill, right? Like, I, I think that if we stand on this hill, then we can stand on many other hills. But if we don't stand on this hill, I find it incredibly difficult to be able to argue why we should stand on any other hill. Um, and And so hopefully this inspires you. Right? Hopefully this gets you fired up about abortion. Hopefully this gets you fired up about defending these human beings who absolutely need your protection and their protection can be gained through something as simple as a conversation. Right? We often talk about like, oh, what would I have done during um, the Holocaust? in in Nazi occupied Germany sort of thing like what would i have done then uh we we banter about this we write articles about this all this kind of stuff we write books about this stuff and it's impossible to know exactly what we would do in those absolute moments of terror and injustice and that sort of thing and yet we are not even the the price of our action the price of our defense of these humans is nowhere near in my humble opinion what it was for people like Sophie Scholl for people um, in that era to oppose the the great injustice of that time, um, they were they were facing physical martyrdom. They were phys- um, facing torture and and all sorts of atrocious things. Not only towards them, but towards their family, towards anybody that had ever known them. That's not to say that being actively pro life. Um, is free of any kind of persecution. Yes, there's absolutely some degree of social martyrdom, but we need to respond to this with the same vigor that those facing even graver consequences faced their um, contemporary injustices with. We need to respond with the exact same degree of passion. We need to respond with the same degree of commitment and diligence and and that's something that I really want to commit to this year as well. As somebody who's already working full time in the movement, there's lots of opportunities um, in the the moments, in the hours, in the days that I do at work that I can be more effective. That I can try to have more conversations or tweak my apologetics to resonate a little bit more deeply, Peter. So how do we go forward, Cam? Um, we, we want to make this our New Year's resolution. We want to get involved in the movement. Um, currently right, right now we're having, uh, an episode and, and people of all walks of life are listening to this. Uh, some are university students, some are, uh, married with children. Um, some are married without children. Um, people are, are just in, in all different stages of life. So what are some practical ways that we can resolve to get involved in the pro-life movement this year? Yeah, it's a, a, the most important question, I think, right here. How do we respond to this um, zeal that we've hopefully kindled within each and every one of you? Um, the first thing I... So all of this with a caveat that we talked at the beginning about how often we fail in our New Year's resolutions. We want to make sure that you can actually succeed in this New Year's resolution. And so we're not going to say like, oh, what you need to do is drop everything, sell your house, and start working for CCBR for no money um, whatsoever. Like we want to make this manageable so that you can um, 
kind of fulfill this um, resolution throughout the year. And so the first one that I want to suggest is getting actively involved with your local activism group. We have offices, CCBR has offices in Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, and three in kind of the greater Toronto area, as I characterize it. I'm not from Toronto. I'm sure that some of their offices actually fall outside of the greater Toronto area, but it's all in Southwest Ontario, in my humble opinion. Get involved with one of the offices. We have activism groups sprinkled across the country. There's over a dozen different groups that do CCBR's projects or start up a new group. That might seem daunting though, right? Like, getting actively involved what i i'm not trying to say go out every single day and volunteer every moment of your time necessarily i don't gauge um as much as i'm not trying to rank our volunteers anyways i don't um worry so much about who's coming out the most or the least i love to look at the question who comes out whenever they're able to right because there's some people who because of their schedules and situation in life are able to come out 30 times a month and they come out 15 times a month and they're the most frequent volunteer that we have. And yet we also have some volunteers that are only able to come out twice or three times a year, but they come out every single time that they're um, capable of doing so. And so I want to ask, how often can you get involved with your local activism group? How often can you have conversations and expose the reality of what abortion does to a preborn child? And aim for that. If that's once a week, if that's once a month, if that's on a sporadic level, but you're going to take every opportunity when it when it presents itself, please, please do that. Get involved with your local activism group. I think that's the first thing that you can do to make this part of your New Year's resolution. What's the second thing we can do, Peter? Yeah, that's that's really good. Second thing, uh, and really, really important as well, is get trained, get equipped to have good conversations. One of the things we do here at CCBR is provide people with apologetics that we've used on the streets and that we have seen change minds time and time again. Cam, you shared that story earlier about that that one dude sitting off to the side watching you change someone's mind. Um, and I think you would say, uh, I think you'd be the first to say that you didn't change their mind because you are the most philosophically minded person. You are just the brightest genius. I think you are, are very philosophically uh, minded and, and very bright. Um, but but I, Gee, I, I thanks, think you would Peter. say this. Yeah. Because you've learned how to have good conversations, and it's as simple as asking some some good questions, some pointed questions, trotting out the toddler and you, toddler and using the analogy of you know if we wouldn't end the life of a child when they're two years old or one year old or six months after birth, why would we end the life of the very same child for the very same reason? just a little bit before birth when they are a little bit younger. And so you know, get trained to have these good conversations. And I've said this before, a lot of people don't think that you can have good conversations about abortion. They think that there are topics you can have good conversations on, but abortion, like that's one that's going to cause contention every single time. And, and we, we're here to say that that's absolutely not the case. You can have good conversations, win some conversations, effective conversations, where you do get to see people change their minds. And I'm going to go even one step further. So that, that even sounds a little bit abstract. Get, get trained, get equipped, everyone can get trained, that kind of thing. You might be asking, like, how do I actually get trained to do this? Like, I, I look, tune into the podcast every week. You guys cover a bunch of different stuff, but, like, it's all spread out. Like, how do I get all of it together? And I'm going to say, um, so what was it, two days ago? Two days ago or yesterday, I don't actually remember when it was. Um, I did a, a video call with a guy named Alexander in Vancouver. He was passionate about getting involved. We chatted for about an hour. 
a condensed workshop about an hour on how to have these good conversations. He got all of the the fundamental um, foundational tools to have good conversations. And he's going to start um, pairing up with our, our fearless leader in, in Vancouver right now, leading activism, Sean, and get some mentoring and have conversations that way. And so I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to put my personal email in, in right now and say, if you want to get trained, if you want to get the foundations of pro-life apologetics all compressed into an hour or 90 minutes worth of um, one-on-one apologetics training, shoot me an email, ccote at endthekilling.ca, charlie charlie oscar tango echo at endthekilling.ca. Shoot me an email. We'll find a time, aim for an hour to 90 minutes, and we are going to talk through all of the foundational apologetics that you need to have to have really, really compelling conversations. You're going to get supplemental information from all these podcast episodes. And so it's not a matter of we compress all of the podcasts into this training, but we give that core training um, into that 60 or 90 minute um, condensed episode. And that will be sufficient, especially through some mentorship to get you on the right route for um, having conversations. Peter. One more thing on that. We also have a study series that we came out with uh, last year, I believe it was, or maybe the year before. Uh, we mentioned it in, in one of the the last episode, actually, with uh, where we talked about the year in review. Find that as well. That has uh, succinct um, our apologetics, the strategy that we use, the reason that we need to fight abortion. Um, you can find that and thekilling.ca backslash study dash series. But you have Cam's email. So, I mean, this is an opportunity to reach out to Cam, uh, which is absolutely great. Another one, uh, another uh, point uh, that w- or way that you can get involved is this sort of work needs to be financially supported. We have internships that are happening. We have staff members that are working full-time. Right now in Canada, there are far more people working full-time to kill babies than there are to save them. And so our goal is to, 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 to work full-time so that we can fight against these people that are working to kill babies so that we can see them saved. And... Um, we, we ask that you would financially partner with the work that we are doing. Uh, the pro-life movement needs everyone. Uh, without people financially part- partnering with Cam and with myself and with CCBR, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't have the stories of people who've changed their mind. And there would be babies who would be dead today, not alive today, because the work would not have been able to be done like it was being uh, done. So um, do consider financially supporting and partnering with the work that we are doing. Uh, you can partner with us at the uh, at the Pro Life Guys. You can find that on our website. We have some Patreon information. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, you can uh, partner with the the work we're doing at CCBR and the Killing CA. And uh, a key one, a key one. I know some of you are thinking it. We are not going to leave it out. Do pray regularly and fervently for the work that is being done. Um, we 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 always note that we don't want prayer to replace any sort of action that you know you're not you're going to do one thing and it's going to be prayer because that's the most convenient one um it's the, the least the least uncomfortable one as it were uh we do want you to join um in the other ways as well but do pray uh we've talked about god being in control we've talked about him um you know working for justice and and he's working in the hearts and the minds of the people that we are having conversations with and so do pray that uh, our politicians would change their minds, that abortionists would leave the industry that they're in and all the workers that are there, and that we would have the strength and courage to continue in the fight. 
I think about a quote by William Wilberforce, uh, one of our heroes here at the CCBR and at the Pro-Life Guys. This is what he says, and I quote, Christianity has been successfully attacked and marginalized because those professed who professed belief were unable to defend the faith from attack, even though its attackers' arguments were deeply flawed. The people that we talk to, their arguments are flawed. I had a conversation two nights ago with my neighbor, and uh, I was stunned by the lack of logic that I heard. Um, just very, very, very flawed. Um, I don't mean to, to throw them under the bus uh, at all, but um, we have philosophically sound arguments. We have the techno- scientific technology and scientific studies, biology and embryology on our side. And that's that doesn't mean we're going to win. What, what, what means we're going to win is if we take that and bring it to the people, show them what abortion really is. And, uh, and so we hope that a part of your New Year's resolution, and not just your resolution, I know resolutions come and go, and they're really, really easy to drop, but part of your 2021 commitment is to be more involved in the movement, more involved to see little babies, little boys, and little girls saved from the hands of abortionists and from the cold, hard steel that seeks to tear them apart. My name is Peter. That's Cam. This is our New Year's resolution for you. We thank you so much for tuning in. We thank you so much for for listening, and uh, we thank you for your commitment to the babies. Uh, you're not. It's not just a commitment to the pro life guys. It's not just a commitment to the the organization we work for. The organizations across this country, uh, across the world, rather, who are doing some phenomenal work. We we hope you commit to to be part of a, a really sweet community working to do this. But this is a commitment for justice to happen, for righteousness to to rain down, and for little babies to be saved. 100%. And I hope that that passion and fervor manifests itself in in so many exciting and life-saving and life-affirming ways this year. I apologize that this seems as a bit of an afterthought, but it um, and and a attack on this is not an afterthought, but rather an assumption that we make for all of our episodes. Um, but it literally just dawned on me in a renewed sense of like getting everybody fired up about this grave, grave evil and and responding and and fighting and this big culture war and all this kind of stuff. Um, this we how how do I say this very very concisely like. Pro-life guys, CCBR, condemn all forms of abortion-related violence. I'm just going to throw that out there just as an absolute statement that this passion and this fervor cannot in any way lead you to do anything um, violent towards the pro-life, uh, pro-abortion um, people or movement or anything like that. Um, I know this seems tacked on, and I apologize, and I'm not trying to cut the feet out from anything else. I'm just realizing, like... We want a righteous zeal, absolutely. We want people to engage in effective, um, life-affirming, life-saving activism. But absolutely, don't let your your passion and, and fervor um, manifest itself in ways that are going to harm those who are actively involved in the pro-abortion movement. Um, though you obviously strongly disagree with what they're doing, this is not the answer in response. We have tried to outline a ton of really good answers um, but I'll just leave that there. I know that is super tacked on and there's not a whole lot of transition, um, but I'm just going to leave that there. So there's absolutely no misunderstanding as to what we're trying to rally people towards. We need, um, cultural warriors, but those cultural warriors need to abide by all, um, 
all expectations that there will be absolutely no participation in abortion-related violence whatsoever, any attacks in any um, violent way towards anybody supporting or participating in the pro-abortion movement. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope that this year for you, like we said at the beginning, is a great year. And we hope it's a great year in that we get to hold in our arms little babies that have been saved and hear the stories of the minds that have been changed. Get out there, get active, and be part of this very important and very life-saving movement.